It's December 18th, 1990. Rita Crendwell walks out of City Hall and makes a right onto South Hennepin Avenue. It's below freezing. At the corner, Rita turns right again and walks a full block until she reaches the bank. As Dixon's treasurer comptroller, she's a regular here. Hello, how's it going? Cold day today. Some more small talk. Are you ready for Christmas? That's great. And then, to business. I'm here for the finance commissioner. Need to open up a new account for the city. Just a little paperwork? Great. Rita fills out the form, writing the words, Reserve Sewer Capital Development Account. Rita leaves the bank and will not mention the existence of this account to anyone for the next 21 years. She was a Lee County girl, country girl, started at the bottom and worked her way up. Everybody admires that kind of thing in a town like Dixon. Dixon is still the boyhood home of President Ronald Reagan. For me, it's a little place in the Rock River, Dixon, Illinois. People in the community, without our asking, sent money to City Hall I only found out years later that most of the contributions were siphoned off by Rita Crundwell. I'm Alexa Burke, and this is Crooked City, Dixon, Illinois. Chapter two, her horses were her life. I live outside of Dixon, about two miles out in the rural countryside, right on the edge of a cornfield. This is Dave Buck. He's lived in Dixon his whole life, and he's a farmer. Coin and soybeans. My parents started a farm 70 years ago, and I've been here ever since. I've only ever had one job. Can you help me imagine what a childhood in rural Dixon was like? Back in those days, everybody knew everybody in the neighborhood. And we would bike most places. The parents didn't worry about the kids leaving for a while because there was probably some other parent that was watching us too. So it was kind of a village. Everybody took care of everybody. And once a month, Dave would bike to a meeting of the local 4-H club, a national organization where kids learn about farming and raising livestock. It was at these meetings that Dave met the Humphrey sisters. It was a big club, 30 or 40 people in there, and Linda and Rita was in the uh, 4-H club, so that's how I knew them the most. She's a year older than me. They didn't have a lot of money. They weren't wealthy growing up. And all these kids in 4-H, they all came basically from farm backgrounds, so we all had a lot in common. 4-H. At the first meeting each year, 4-H kids would talk about their projects. For Dave, it was usually growing and harvesting corn. And there was never a question about what Rita would be working on. Oh, first thing, horses. She loved horses since she was probably three years old, five years old. Occasionally, 
Young Dave and other 4-H kids found themselves at Rita's house. Right on the edge of Dixon, on the edge of the city limits. A typical two-story farmhouse, and they had a, of course, they had a farm. It's a large family, six kids. None of the kids went away to college. They all stayed around Dixon. And Rita would bring her horse out from the barn and show it to us. She would wear her blue jeans and t-shirt and she'd go on the horse barn and bare feet and uh, I call it like a tomboy farm girl type. She liked her cowboy boots and her cowboy hat. She had quarter horses and she'd talk about the raising of the horse and, and how she takes care of it and that kind of stuff. Did you get a sense that their mom was really into horses as well? Probably the mother was behind it. That's how Rita got hooked onto it. Like I said, I knew she loved horses from day one, from her young childhood, and she never gave up on it. Her horses were her life. Then at the end of the school year, kids would present their projects at the county fair. The annual 4-H fair was always in July. And they had different barns set up for each animal. And you could walk down, you could pet them and look at them. And, and some people had even rabbits. And Rita would take her horse down to the 4-H fair for like three days. And they had a special barn just for the horses. And they had judges come in to judge all these. And then you get ribbons for it. A blue ribbon, of course, is what you wanted. Would she win first place? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she'd win a lot. Yeah, yeah. She always had good horses. And then the most fun part of the fair. We just camped out for about three nights, maybe. That was always a lot of fun. We'd take our sleeping bag and sleep in the barn. And of course, being kids, we'd probably stay up half the night. Would the the girls have sleepovers, too? Yeah. Some of them, like, put their sleeping bags right next to, like, their livestock on a straw bed and stay right in the livestock barn. Were there many, like, 4-H dating relationships? There was mostly boys in the club. There was something like Rita, Linda, a few girls in there, but it was it was mostly boys in there. Mm. And no one that you know that like had a crush on Rita or anything? Not that I know of. I mean, they, they could have. Yeah, yeah. In fact, in fact if you really wanted to know the truth at it, I, I kind of liked her myself at one time, but we went to different high schools. Aww. So we never got, got to really socialize much, so. The Lee County Historical Society is in a small storefront just off Main Street in Dixon, a quick walk from a statue of Ronald Reagan and around the corner from City Hall. It's a goldmine of newspapers and anything else you could possibly read about the city. And it's a gathering place for helpful locals interested in keeping the county's history alive. And then these are some of the Dixon Telegraph records, like the index of them, right? There's something delightful about reading a small-town paper from the heyday of local news, because there are articles about almost everything. Um, Ray Humphrey, and I think Rita is mentioned in this one. Dixon Evening Telegraph, December 22, 1955. Rita is two years old. The annual Christmas program was presented by children of the White Temple School. Santa was there with treats and gifts for the children. 
Refreshments were served by Ray Humphrey's family. At next year's Christmas program, Rita gave a short reading. September 17, 1965. Rita is 12. A recital presented Sunday in the dining hall of the Church of the Brethren was followed by refreshments served from a decorated tea table. Recital participants included Rita Humphrey, who played the song Sleepy Cowhand. When Rita was 13, a high school boy was driving past the Humphreys' farm and hit one of their cows. He was arrested. The kid, not the cow. There's stuff about 4-H. In 1964, Rita showed a pony in the county fair. In 1965, she gave a talk about horse tricks. In 1969, she was on the square dance committee. And then I found this article. May 15, 1967. Rita is 14 years old. Ray J. Humphrey, 60, died in KSB Hospital Sunday morning following a long illness. Survivors include his widow, three sons, and three daughters, Carol, Rita, and Linda, all at home. Funeral services will be held at 1.30 p.m. Tuesday. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. In my search for details about Rita's early years, I visited Tom Wadsworth. I went to Dixon High School. I started in 67 and graduated in 1971, same as Rita. Tom is the unofficial historian of his high school graduating class. So we sit side by side on the couch in his living room, flipping through his collection of yearbooks, looking for Rita. The early one here with her. Yeah. In the freshman and sophomore yearbooks, we find photos of Rita with bushy, dirty blonde hair. She's sporting cat-eye glasses and sending out some young Hermione Granger vibes. Honestly, she looks kind of nerdy. Then we move on to her junior yearbook. Another class photo, much like the ones before it. Other than these three photos, there aren't any other images of Rita to be found. Her father died in 1967, and that had to be a huge blow. Maybe that's why in our freshman, sophomore, and junior yearbooks, the only picture of Rita in those yearbooks is just her class photo. It appears that she wasn't involved in any other school activities. 
The weight of taking care of the farm without a father must have fallen heavily on Rita and her siblings. It's a pivotal time in anybody's life, but she would have been hit with the awareness that we don't have money like we used to before. Dad's not here. Tom closes the yearbook and thinks back to his days in high school. The city folk and the country folk, and to some degree the farm kids, I sense that they felt a little bit lesser because they're farm kids. And I think that might have been Rita's case as well. Then Tom opens up his senior yearbook, and we find Rita's class photo. Her hair is darker, and she's traded the cat-eye glasses for cool hexagon ones. I like Rita's glasses, too. I feel like they're kind of in style now. There she is, yes. There's a picture of her in the office occupations club. That's back here, isn't it? Uh, And as I recall, Rita was president of the office occupations club. Back then, you you have to understand, almost all females would be pursuing a secretarial occupation coming out of high school. And uh, all these girls had a, a secretarial job somewhere in the community, and that's what this office occupations club was all about. So senior year, Rita began working part-time at City Hall and received a small salary. This was the first time she had money of her own, and she started buying nicer things, like clothes that the girls from the city had. Life seemed to be changing for Rita. Yeah, so what's this? When she was uh, an attendant for the homecoming. Dixon Evening Telegraph. October 15th, 1970. Dixon High School Homecoming Week got underway on Tuesday with classes decorating the halls of the school. On Wednesday morning, students in the freshman, sophomore, and junior classes elected their class attendants to serve on the Queen's Court. Kathy Ardler, Rana Brainerd, and Rita Humphrey are the three Queen candidates. On Friday, all students will vote in a short homeroom for the 1970 Queen who will be crowned between games on Friday evening. In talking to Rita's classmates, it's surprising how many times the senior homecoming came up. One classmate, who was also a member of the Office Occupations Club, wrote me this email. Alexa, to my recollection, Rita was friendly, pleasant, and plainly attractive, but did not stand out. She was somewhat ambitious, and I believe knew how to impress the teachers. She was not part of the in-group, despite being voted for homecoming queen. I don't recall, but have been told that voting her as homecoming queen was a joke. A joke? I emailed another classmate. He responded, I have never heard of such a thing. Her support was primarily from underclassmen, especially the rural underclass kids. And a third classmate said this, I heard it was a joke years later. However, I don't remember it being a joke at the time. Finally, I asked Tom. I think I remember, I was wondering how she would have got there. Usually it's kind of like a Miss America thing, so looks have something to do with it, and maybe popularity, I don't know. It was a little odd, I think, for Rita to be in the homecoming court. Well, I remember the day 
you set up the stands out there on the football field and they uh, bring out some football players. During halftime of the homecoming game between the Dixon Dukes and their arch rival, the Sterling Warriors, Rita and two other nominees took the stage on center field. Tom flips to another page of his senior yearbook to find a picture of Rita hugging one of the other nominees. She looks different, like a young woman. Her hair is blown out, and she's wearing a long dress. I wonder if that's when they were announcing. Yes, that's when she probably said, and and the queen is Kathy Arvey. You know, if you're doing a podcast, why do you want photos? So more just the the articles have been helpful. Back at the Lee County Historical Society, I'm flipping through more issues of the Dixon Telegraph. That's when I stumble across a photo. A beautiful blonde girl wearing a tailored riding suit and a cowboy hat. She's holding a trophy in each hand. Dixon Evening Telegraph, October 29, 1969. Rita is 16. Take a pretty Dixon girl, throw in a cute cowgirl outfit, add a horse, beautiful and well-trained, toss in some 300 prize ribbons and over 80 assorted trophies, and what do you have? But this photo I'm looking at is not of 16-year-old Rita Humphrey. Why, it's Miss Pam Zimmer, of course. Pam is to participate in the All-American Quarter Horse Queen contest. And at 16, will be perhaps the youngest entrant there. If her past success is any indication of how Pam will do, she has little to fret about. Perhaps she will make the big transition from real-life cowgirl to real-life queen. Pam Zimmer was another classmate who was a rodeo queen. Uh, Pam was also involved with horses a lot. This is Tom again. Like Rita, Pam was also in his class. I saw this one article about Pam Zimmer. She had a room of 80 medals and trophies and things. And I was like, oh, I wonder if, you know, I wonder if Rita was friends with her. And I was like, oh. I want to be like that. Yeah. Competition (laughs) between Pam and Rita. I would imagine that there was, that they had to be painfully aware of each other. I've got, we've seen photos of both of them wearing cowboy hats and uh, being really excited about the, the horse industry. Dixon Evening Telegraph, May 26, 1973. Rita is 20. Miss Pam Zimmer Dixon was named Amboy Rodeo Queen at the competition held Friday night as the opening event of the Rodeo Days celebration. Miss Rita Humphrey, Dixon, was second runner-up. Pam was a neighbor of mine, <laughs> just yeah. down the road. She was really into the horse stuff. This is Tom Densmore. He also went to Dixon High. And I mean, just didn't get into horses just a little. She got into it all the way. You know, they were going to the big shows and dressing up like the cowgirl. And I don't know what kind of money Rita had or didn't have as a family, but Pam, I believe, was an only child who was doted on. She liked horses and her parents make sure she had good ones. I reached out to Pam and spoke to her. She said she was aware of Rita. She knew where her family's home was, but she said they weren't close and said specifically that she wasn't aware of Rita as competition. But then I found this article in the Dixon Telegraph. Pam and Rita are both 12. May 11th, 1965. The 4-H club met recently at the home of Pam Zimmer. 
Demonstrations were presented by Rita Humphrey, Pam Zimmer, and John Swanstrom. Refreshments were served by Mrs. Zimmer. I wonder, when Rita was at Pam's house, if she wandered around. Admiring the nice home in the city. Pam is an only child. She has this all to herself. And maybe Rita found herself in the room, filled with ribbons and trophies and photos. What beautiful horses. And she gets to compete all over the country? Not fair. What's your name? Walter Losey, born on St. Patrick's Day. You know, I'm 91 years old, for God's sakes. My parents came from Germany after World War I. So my mother came across in steerage, landed in New York, and somehow found her way out to Dixon. And then the next year, my father came. Back then, we were poor, but everybody was poor. And I'm so proud of them, honest as the day is long. Set examples of thrift and hard work. It's the story of America. I love this country. And I love this town. Walter Losey loves Dixon, Illinois so much, he ran for local government. It was 1968, Walter was 36 years old, and he ran for a spot as commissioner. He won, and after that, he kept winning. Four-year terms, 20 years, with four different mayors in the five terms. <laughs> Dixon had what's called a commission form of government. There were four commissioners. Each commissioner had their own area of responsibility. There was streets and public improvements, police and fire, public property, and accounts and finance, which is where I served and where I made my first contact with Rita. She was always pleasant, always friendly, presented herself well, and people liked her. The mayor and council thought it was natural that we promote Rita to be the controller treasurer. As finance commissioner, Walter taught the new Dixon comptroller treasurer how to prepare the city's annual budget. She was actually getting information from the department heads, and we sifted through that. So, yeah, I came to rely on her for figures. She knew her job, and she did it well while I was there. I'm proud to say of the 20 years, we had 19 balanced budgets, and the other was minor. After a while, she had been there longer than any of the council members or mayors or so on. In 1988, Walter retired, and someone new took his place as finance commissioner. The retired school teacher that took over and who was that? Uh, Roy Bridgman. Because this will be the first budget of the new council, I would like to give you a few ideas and examples of how our budget sessions work. 
This is an actor reading the words of Roy Bridgman from city budget meetings. Remember that we are working for the whole city, not just your department. Bridgman was a teacher at Dixon High School. He had taught Rita typing. Now it was Rita's turn to show Bridgman the ropes. March, 1992. We are over budget by $335,874. If cuts are made to your department, it doesn't mean your department isn't important. All departments will probably have reductions. From these minutes, it's clear that after Bridgman came on as finance commissioner, balancing the city budget became more and more challenging. 1993. The deficit is at $414,553. If we can't cut equipment and supplies, then that leaves employees. And I don't want to get to that point. 1998. The budget deficit is at $458,944. Overtime costs can be cut if employees cover on lunch hours. 2001. Mayor Burke, please review your budget for further cuts. And all departments, please give your cuts to Rita Crundwell by noon on Monday. 2003. The deficit is at $1,279,363. Some really tough cuts are going to have to be made this year. 2010. The city's working cash is almost down to zero. And there was a lot of juggling of funds to meet payrolls. Drastic cuts are needed. Otherwise, employees will be laid off. All cuts should be turned into Rita as soon as possible. By 2011, Dixon had run up a serious debt. Adding to that debt was a state mandate to upgrade the city's water system. And it was an election year. Dixon is $31 million in debt, and our water problems are not totally to blame. Mayor Burke is responsible for the city's debt problem borrowing over $2 million on a water line that is not in use. In addition, the city had to borrow $1 million just to pay last year's bills. It's time to stop all this borrowing. It's time to live within our means. It's time for a new direction for our city. I'm asking for your vote April 5th. Paid for by Friends of Bob Gibbler. Are you from Dixon? Not originally, no. We moved out here in 72 from Chicago. This is Bob Gibbler. Bob was inspired to run for mayor by none other than former President Ronald Reagan. I was a volunteer for the Reagan home when Reagan came back. He sat down on a chair next to me with a bowl of chocolate ice cream. It was called Dutch chocolate. And sat and he wanted to know my name and we talked a little bit. And he said, are, are you involved in politics? And I said, no, no, I just volunteer. He says, Someday, when the time is right, get involved in community politics. And in 2011, that's what Gibbler decided to do. When you're going to run for office, do your homework. Spend a lot of time doing research. So I wanted to have my facts right. I'd go to the library to get copies of those budget reports. I'd take photographs of every page, come back and create all those pages into a PDF file. First idea of suspicion was the fact that the city had less money every year, and yet I'm looking at the reports where property taxes, you got more money, sales tax, you're getting more money. 
where's the money going? Then I started going through the 2010 city budget, and I found where money was being transferred to different accounts. It would go from account A to account B, maybe back to account C, and then it's gone. Where, where was it spent? And then I talked with the fella down at the print shop, and I said, here, you take a look at this. He says, let's give these to a CPA, see what they come up with. And the fella had them for three or four days. He come back and he says, I think you folks are right. Money's being moved around, but it doesn't show where it's being spent. Had you met Rita? Yeah, I knew Rita personally. I had talked with her maybe over the years, half a dozen times or so, where I went up and asked for some information on this or that. and She was always accommodating, friendly. But I think at the time, there was talk that if I got elected, that she was going to quit. Night before the election, we were still out walking the streets, knocking on doors, talking to people. I felt we had a good chance. Results are rolling in right now. First, the race for mayor. The results came over radio and TV at the time, and I think I lost by 114 votes. That must have been disappointing. <laughs> well, in hindsight, I think it was meant to be. Don't win that election. Because I think I would have stepped on a lot of toes. But people must have took into account some of the things that were said during campaigning because one of the commissioners at that time who had been in office for 24 years, who was a finance commissioner, he didn't win his election. But that was, was that Roy Bridgman? Bridgman, Bridgman, yes, okay. yeah, and he was a teacher at the, high, at the high school. People of Dixon, thank you for electing me to office for the past 24 years. I am proud of the balanced budget. For at his final city council meeting, Roy Bridgman gave advice to the incoming commissioners. City Comptroller Rita Crunwell is a big asset to the city. She looks after every tax dollar as if it were her own. The incoming council should work with her and listen to her. Goodbye to all. And the commissioner said, well, Rita handles every dollar as if it was her own. And that was true, because it was. You can do a lot of things you never thought you could before. Next time on Crooked City... I fly to Oklahoma to experience horse world. Walk through here and I'll show you something about horses. That horse was 100000 and has been priced at 200000 They gave 150000 for this horse. People will pay a million dollars for a horse to win a $75 trophy. And I meet the couple who trained Rita's favorite horse. Entry number 529, Good I Will Be. He had more talent in his toenail than most horses do. And heart. Maybe his heart was more than his talent, even. Now I'm going to start crying, so I'm going to stop talking about it. <laughs> was she a very good rider? Yeah, she was very confident. But yes, yeah, she loved riding. Is that what she wanted to do the most, or was it more about the horses winning? 
Oh, I think it was more about the horses winning. Unlock all episodes of Crooked City, Dixon, Illinois, ad-free right now by subscribing to the Binge podcast channel. Not only will you immediately unlock all episodes of this show, but you'll get Binge access to an entire network of other great true crime and investigative podcasts, all ad-free. Plus, on the first of every month, subscribers get a binge drop of a brand new series. That's all episodes all at once. Unlock your listening now by clicking subscribe at the top of the Crooked City show page on Apple Podcasts or visit getthebinge.com to get access wherever you get your podcasts. Crooked City, Dixon, Illinois is a production of Truth Media in partnership with Sony Music Entertainment. The show is produced by Kenny Kusiak, Alyssa Mardinet, Kevin Shepard, and Zach St. Louis. I'm Alexa Burke, your host and senior producer. Story editing by Mark Smerling. Scott Curtis is our production manager. Fact-checking by Danya Suleiman. Voice acting by Nicholas Gray. Sound design by Kenny Kusiak and Alexa Burke. George Draving Hicks did the mix. Music by Epidemic Sounds, Marmoset, and Blue Dot Sessions. Our title track is Sweet Revenge by Big Girl. Thank you to the American Quarter Horse Association, the Lee County Historical Society, and Sock Valley News. Special thanks to Dr. Kelly Richmond Pope, director of the documentary All the Queen's Horses and accounting professor at DePaul University. You can check out her book, Fool Me Once, Scams, Stories, and Secrets from the Trillion Dollar Fraud Industry. Continue the conversation with us online by tweeting at Crooked City Pod. If you've enjoyed Crooked City, Dixon, Illinois, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps other people find the show. Thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.